Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman, and I am the founding director of the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. And we are empowering diverse product managers to succeed. And part of that is being here every single week or every single week that we can on LinkedIn and in the podcast for everybody to have access to some of the great people and knowledge uh, in our Product Management Center community. Today, we're talking about a very important conversation. We're talking about the highs and lows of being a product manager I know thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people are trying to become a product manager, and I think this conversation is going to be helpful for them to understand what would they be getting themselves into. And then if you are a product manager, you're probably also experiencing some highs and some lows, and I want you to know you're not alone. And so my hope is that you'll consider coming on stage to share your perspective, and also that something that you hear resonates with you, and maybe you'll even get an understanding of how to overcome some of those lows. What what are p- other people doing to pick themselves up and to rise to the challenges that are associated with being a product manager? So while I get my voice to clear here, Red, uh, you're here every week. We've hit 100 episodes. We're about to hit 200,000 downloads and uh, pretty major milestones all happening in a short amount of time. You started this podcast. Tell us a little bit about why you're so committed to building a better future through the Product Management Center and how they, people can get involved in today's conversation. Well, thank you, Jeff. I think how I got started was a simple phone call from you saying, do you want to do this? And after spending almost 10 years working with product managers, it was a no-brainer. So yeah, I, and I was about to have a child. What were you thinking, Jeff? What were you thinking? But I'm glad I dove right in and had the baby. All was well. As for why the Product Management Center, I think it's clear, and let's be biased for all those in the room who typically can't be for their job, that was a product manager joke. Think about the idea that if you wanted to start your career somewhere, where do you begin? That question is so difficult for so many people. And for many people who've already started their career and aren't happy, what we have found is creating that room, that opportunity for product managers, not just here, but globally. Opening the door and letting them see what this role is, you'd be surprised to know that many universities don't do that. But lucky for us, the local Huskies, the dogs, UW is proud to be one of the first in the industry to say, hey, we think of this more like engineering or like chemistry, like science. We do not feel like product management is an elective. It is the elective. Jeff, that is not human language. That is not English, but at least that expresses how I feel. I like that. It's the elective. (laughs) Yeah. So we're creating a home for product managers, sharing that knowledge and creating new knowledge. And part of that is uh, we've met Tommy along the way. So grateful we did. Tommy, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey in product before you, again, just to remind everybody, Tommy and Janai are going to speak for themselves, not for their companies and their own personal opinions. They're not representing anybody. But Tommy, tell us a little bit about your background in product. Yeah, absolutely. I started out as an entrepreneur, so I was starting a few different businesses while I was in graduate school, learning about building products from the ground up. And then I was really interested in how I could take products to scale. So I started looking into UX design and data science. And along the way, I heard about this thing called a product manager. That seemed really cool to me, and it seemed like a great fit for my personality and sort of what I like to do. And so 
I hit the ground running trying to get a job as a product manager. And um, here I am now. I'm a product manager at Google and adds data management. All right. And we're going to hear your what energizes you and what uh, saps your energy and how you overcome the challenges. And But first, I want to hear from Janai. Uh, Janai, thanks for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So I am currently a product manager at Amazon. I work on the devices side of things, specifically for Echo Frames, which is Amazon's first ever smart glasses with Alexa. And my background isn't in engineering. I actually study political science. And for the first four years of my career, I was a consultant focused on HR transformations. Um, I think it was really during that time where I was working on a software called Workday. Um, that really sparked my interest in tech. I knew that, you know, I really enjoyed being able to get my hands dirty and help configure a system for clients. And I was also getting exposure through consulting to a ton of different tech clients. Um, And so in 2020, I had the opportunity to more seriously pursue a career transition into tech. And I uh, had taken a couple bootcamp courses. I took a data analytics course. I took a product management course in that I think really solidified for me my desire to get into product management. And then when I joined Amazon, I was actually in a product adjacent role. So I started as a program manager on the team that I'm still on today. And through the support and um, several opportunities that my team gave me was able to transition into product management. That's where I've been in for the, the past like year or so. So yeah. All right. Thank you both for being here. Thanks for that introduction. I'm going to remind the audience that in about 20 minutes, we're going to have a chance for you to share your perspective if you are a product manager or to get your questions answered, whether you are a product manager or an aspiring product manager. And if you want us to uh, read, if you're shy, uh, just message me or Red on LinkedIn and we will uh, have your voice heard with our voice. (laughs) I don't know how that works. But anyway, Tommy and Janai, do you want to start with the negatives or do you want to start with the positives? Where, where do you want to go? I'm going to let you choose your own adventure. I'm going to start with Janai. Tell us either something that energizes you or that saps your energy as a product manager. Yeah, I'll start with a positive. I was thinking about this the other day. I think for me, what really gives me energy in my role today is whenever I get a chance to see our product come to life. And so I work on a hardware product. And so what I mean by that is like anytime we get to see a physical prototype of a new iteration for our product, that gets me super excited. Um, Oftentimes we'll be at our team office. We're, you know, like a bunch of us will be sitting around a room playing with the prototype and seeing how it works and figuring out, all right, this would be great for like this use case or that, or how can we improve this? And doing that level of collaborative work and getting to see that that end result has been really meaningful. And then I think in another way I get to see our product come to life is just when we finally go to market or get customer feedback. So at Amazon, we're really big into the star ratings and the customer reviews, and we take them all super seriously and read every single you know <laughs> review that comes in. And we celebrate all of the positives when we, we get it that we get from customers. And I love reading anecdotes where our, our product has like improved our a customer's life in some sort of way, or even someone with a disability, um, how our product has been able to yeah, help them live their everyday life in, in a way that was unexpected. So I, I think that overall, that getting to see the product come to life has, has given me a lot of energy. 
All right. Thank you, Tommy. I guess uh, you're now locked in. Give us another positive. Or actually, no, you could choose your own adventure. You could now counter that positive with uh, what saps your energy. It's your choice. I think I'm going to start with something that saps my energy. So what I found inside of large companies and large organizations is that there are a lot of processes and hierarchy. And I think one of the things that really challenges me and, and takes some of my energy and takes some real patience and practices working through those processes and hierarchy when you know that what you're working on is going to benefit the customers. So it's keeping that long-term vision intact and being able to like really focus on driving that customer value long-term, even though you're on a long journey, sometimes six months to a year, just, just to get started on build and, and shipping what, as Janai said, bringing things to life for customers. All right. So Janai, I want you to weigh in on this if you don't mind. For you personally, do you find it sapping your energy or almost energizing this challenge of convincing and going through whatever hurdles may be in place to convince people to build what you want to build for the customer? Yeah, I think it <laughs> it probably saps my energy in, in the moments. But when, when we are able to finally get consensus, I think that's where we I, I feel more of the, the energy boost. But yeah, totally agree with what Tommy's saying, especially working on a hardware product. The timelines are really long several years go into the making of a single product launch. And throughout that time, so many decisions have to be made or so many processes have to be followed. You have to have your business requirements document seen by all of these teams and approved. And you have to go through every single feedback and make sure all of these issues are resolved and or even like what we call like a PRFAQ document that really brings the product strategy to life. All of those things are very intensive processes and it can it can be a lot just even from a stakeholder management perspective. So agreed, like it's, you have to remind yourself and I think oftentimes it's the role of the product manager to remind the team of what we're working towards and why we're doing this and what customer problems we're solving for um, to really keep folks motivated. And then Janai, you said that you read all the feedback and you, one of the energizing is of course you've launched something and, and you're getting positive feedback. And so that, that's got to feel great. The negative feedback, does that just like, do you take that personally? Does that sap your soul or does that energize you? Cause that's now just lighted a path for going forward. I think our team actually focuses probably more on the negative feedback. To, and so sometimes we have to actually bolster and remind ourselves, hey, there are people that actually really love the product too. And we can't, you know, let's not have a negativity bias. No, our, our team really dives deep into, and I think it's an Amazon thing and, and like everywhere else. But what I've seen at Amazon is we take the, the negative feedback from customers very seriously and use that to drive uh, feature improvements and our roadmap and everything uh, like that, even the smallest paper cuts. And sometimes it can be really demoralizing. Customers really don't hold back. <laughs> In their reviews sometimes, I think I remember one person saying like, it wasn't for our product, but it was for another product. It was like, Alexa, buy me, a, order me a trash can for this product or something like that. It was, they really had no filter. So you have to grow some tough skin, but ultimately to really try to understand where the customer is coming from when, when they have a problem. So Tommy, what about you? Does that negative feedback, one, do you get to see it? And two, does it sap your energy or does it energize you to see what you need to overcome? Yeah, I certainly think that's something to get used to is there's no shortage of negative feedback. And I always appreciate customers that, that speak candidly and really bring you their problems. I find it energizing. And I think one of the things that I enjoy the most about being a product manager is 
taking some of that feedback, taking a problem that someone has and working with your engineering team, working with the rest of your cross-functional stakeholders to try to really define the problem and then somehow coming up with a solution that is better than what the customer was asking for. So I think a lot of times I think of it like the iPhone is like none of us thought we wanted a smartphone technology when we were walking around with iPods. We didn't realize that that little iPod was eventually going to become a phone that was usable. But people along the way were iterating on that process of the iPod and understanding how to make it into the iPod video and then into something that had mobile connectivity. And a lot of times that's the journey that we go on. We, we get the negative feedback. We try to understand what the customer is really trying to do. And then the ideal state is when your engineer's and you come up with a, a better solution than you could have dreamed of. All right. So we're kind of mixing some energizing, some lack of energizing, some sapping the energy. I want to dig deeper into the challenges because I think there's enough people who are really excited about product management. It would help to have their eyes wide open about what they'd be getting into. And also, I think it helps other product managers kind of commiserate that they're not alone. Any other aspects of product management? Again, let's not be specific to your company. It's just about being a product manager that sap your energy. Start with you, Tommy, and then Janai, but I'd also like to hear how you overcome that sapping of your energy. So Tommy, anything to start? Yeah, I think it's general, just too many things to do. And like an overload of pings and emails and projects and documents. So just constantly having so many things to do and figuring out how to prioritize those. A couple of things I do, like outside of work, I work on creative projects that have virtually nothing to do with what I do at work. And I think when my energy gets sapped from constantly being on, always being in meetings and, and always really like trying to work at an intellectual level, it's, it's great to have that outlet where you can write or paint or something that it has nothing to do and you can, nothing to do with your work and you can get focused on something else entirely. All right, Janai, what about you? Anything else that saps your energy and what you do to either regain that energy or to minimize how much you're getting sapped? Yeah, um, I think jumping off of what Tommy was saying, for me, I think it's, and this is not new whatsoever, and maybe it's not even specific to product management. It's just the time spent in meetings. It can take a lot of mental, mental energy. I think there are times where from nine to five, I'm in like back to backs and I try really hard not to be. And basically means um, my work can only really be done before nine or after five, which is really challenging. And I think that what I've been learning and trying as much as possible is a couple things to help combat that hectic, like back-to-back schedule situation. I try to like very much like ruthlessly prioritize what meetings I need to be in versus not be in. Just try to see how much I can resolve just like through offline methods, like through Slack conversations really quickly or things like that. And then also just remind myself of what my weekly goals are. Because when I go back to that and like what I truly need to accomplish for the week, and that helps me prioritize and like set blocks of time in my schedule during the day to actually get whatever deliverable it be done and deprioritize other meetings that that are um, just not as important at the moment to to attend to. So yeah, I think being able to try to combat that heavy meeting schedule with with time blocks for prioritized for my the goals for the week have been really, really helpful. And then also just a gentle reminder to myself that like it's okay sometimes, like not everything that you're juggling is 
someone had put it some, recently, like you feel like you're juggling a lot of balls. Not all of them are glass balls. So it's okay to let one drop and it won't break. Like you don't have to constantly feel like everything is a glass ball. And so giving yourself that grace and that reminder, like, hey, not it's okay to let something go. Like it's not the end of the world. A lot of times people figure things out themselves um, if you're if you're not able to attend to it. So having that that mental reminder is helpful too. Yeah, that's a great point. A lot a lot of times people do figure things out themselves if you give them enough time. I definitely have found that taking stock of my week, my day, setting up like a few hours in the morning before I work to sort of like make sure that before all the meetings start, I can like really account for all these things or that I really need to be doing all of them is, has been really helpful process for me. And then I, I recently just started like a really simple project tracking document with like a project title, the status and like ETA. And I don't know why, but just writing it down, not in a spreadsheet, but in like a document form with narrative has helped me to sort of like keep track of what's important where, and then prioritize them so that I, so that I minimize the energy that I lose. And I'll also say that when it comes to meetings, there are some days where I'm in six hours, seven hours of 30 minute meetings a day. And to the point where I think my body is like on a 30 minute clock and taking a couple of minutes at the beginning or the end of those meetings to sort of just stand up, walk around, drink a glass of water, whatever you need to do has been, has been really helpful for me. Yeah, totally. Like building in those times for yourself to just take a break, like mentally or like go out and <laughs> get some fresh air is really important because otherwise no one's going to prioritize your time for you. And so if you're not advocating for yourself and your just general well-being throughout the day, I think that's that's how people, and, and myself included, can feel burnout. Yeah, I was, I was speaking with one of my close engineers yesterday about this. And I was like, can I go for a walk and, and take this call? He's like, sure, it's just a one-on-one. So I, And he was like, yeah, sometimes it's too late. He's like, if you wait till 3 p.m., I think it was 11 a.m. He's like, if you wait till 3 p.m., it's too little too late and, and maybe you won't get that time back. So trying to keep your energy levels balanced and figuring out like who you are and how you work and at what times of day you, you would prefer to do different things has been really helpful for me. All right. This is great. So any other aspects of the job that uh, sap your energy? Either one of you want to just come off mute and share something that's really challenging and then we'll just kind of dialogue about how you overcome that or minimize it? I think... Maybe one thing that also saps my energy, and I also recognize it's it's a good practice too. But um, at Amazon, we're a very document heavy culture. That's what I've learned. Like we don't have PowerPoint decks, and oftentimes we're writing these very long documents and having folks read it for like the first half of a meeting or something like that. And it's it's been awesome in that it helps forces me as a product manager to very ar- strongly articulate some argument, some recommendation, some problem, how to fix it and why. I think that the flip side of all of that is having a document also invites a ton of feedback from from the team, ton of action items, all of these things. And also you want to make sure that you've put in a lot of effort to making sure the the document, the formatting, the grammar, everything like that is, you know, is a good enough quality to have a fruitful discussion. And so, yeah, I would just say at times it can be tedious in prep in preparing a doc and having to go through revisions and making sure it's speaking well to the right audience that's going to read it. Um, and I think how I've learned to combat that 
kind of speaking to what Tommy was saying is what has helped me a, a ton is figuring out when I have the best and like most energy to address like all of the feedback from a document. For me, it's like early in the morning and uh, I love the that productivity hack, eating the frog. That's just the, the mindset that I try to have in the mornings of eating whatever is the most difficult for me. And so that often is like tackling a really difficult doc revision, something like that. So yeah, the, the doc is a great tool, but also can be a big use of my energy. Yeah, I'll carry on from that because I, when I write documents and as she's saying, it takes a lot of work to articulate these things with clarity. And then also for whatever interpretation people have when they read it to make sure that they understand it the same way, responding to comments and clarifying things. It's a task. Um, you know, a, a three-page document might have had 200, 300 comments on it that you've worked through each each one individually. I also think that one of the things that saps my energy is that as a product manager, there are times where what you say has a lot of weight. And you're also in this phase of ideating and trying to come up with with new concepts, new solutions, or anything in between. And I think having to have the pressure to have a fully formed and clearly articulated idea at the beginning is something that takes a lot of work to accommodate. So for myself, like making sure that I set the context and set the space that we're having a discussion that's like very open-ended, very free form. There's no commitment to these ideas, but also that I think through this sort of creative process, we can we can work through them. The expectation that like you have to set that up and and can't freely ideate can be can be difficult sometimes because there are there are consequences to the commitments that you make as a product manager. All right, so we're about to get to audience questions. So if you're or comments, if you're a product manager out there and have a question or a comment, or if you're an aspiring product manager and have a question that's about the highs and lows of being a product manager. Your time is coming. Before that, what surprised you the most? So as you say some things are sapping your energy as a product manager, which of those kind of came out of left field that you weren't quite expecting when you took the role? So is there anything, the, the lows of being a product manager that has surprised you? I'll go first. I think how hard it really is to write these requirements. And depending on the product that you work on, but I had no idea it would be as difficult as it is. Definitely that... And the challenge of those documents and getting everyone aligned, if it depends how many people you have. But if you have a dozen people, that's a dozen people who have to read it and comment on it. That that was a surprising amount of work to me. And some real tension there between commitments to the product direction that you kind of have to work through. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's probably the most surprising thing to me as well. To your point, Tommy, like as a product manager, you are agreeing to you sign up to take on a lot of responsibility. Ultimately, you are the the decision maker and driver and and the the person accountable to to why the product turned out the way it did. And so with that comes a ton of just discussions and deliberations and debates and even on like the smallest spec, setting something for a requirement can have a ton of like implications and so you want to make sure that that every number that you you set is really grounded in evidence that like this is the right path for the customer even even if you don't have 100% assurance. So yeah, that that weight of responsibility I think definitely surprised me and yeah, just kind of forces you to to do the the work needed to to make sure you have your your doc or your requirements 
or whatnot in a good place. All right. So we're going to get to audience questions in just a moment, but I know once it gets to audience questions, things can go a little haywire. We run out of time real fast because we once the first person raises their hand, then everybody starts to follow. So before we get to chaos here with audience questions, is there anything on the topic of highs and lows of being a product manager that you want to make sure you get to say uh, either to each other or to everybody who's listening? Is there anything on the topic of highs and lows of being a product manager that you just want to make sure people hear before we get to audience questions? The one thing that I'll say is, uh, and this is a reminder to Janai as well, but and you know, to celebrate your wins, to truly take the time to celebrate the wins. Going on to the next thing, like getting something clear, like nothing feels better than clearing something off and having success and then landing it and seeing how much impact it has. But I think really taking the time to like, to celebrate those things and and give a lot of recognition to yourself for how much work you put in and how much work your team put into getting there. Agreed. Yeah. There's, I think, nothing more important, especially in long schedules and timelines for, for launching a product. Every single milestone is important to celebrate and also making sure you're giving that that appreciation to the engineers and all the other teams that you work with to make this possible. So yeah, definitely having that, that gratitude and the mindset of celebrating wins. All right. Glad you got that. Before we get to audience questions, Red, before you, I cede it to you. I just need to make sure. Are you Red E to do audience questions? Oh yeah. (laughs) Red, before you take over, I'm glad you're Red E. I just have to share one big news. Speaking of like celebrating wins, the Product Management Center is, I think, days away from shipping our brand new product. I'm adopting the PM lingo here. We are about to launch the Elevate program for product managers who want to elevate their careers and their peers. So they'll get personal help on the problem that's facing them with uh, small group office hours with our executive and executives and residents. There will be workshops such as storytelling or continuous discovery, and there will be constant opportunities to interact with peers to get that help and support that you need along the way of being a product manager. So Red, I just had to, since uh, Janai and Tommy both said to celebrate, I'm celebrating early. <laughs> We're about a week away from launching the Elevate program for PMs who want to elevate their careers and their peers. And I'm excited. And I'm excited that Red, you're about to take over this podcast. Uh, is it because you've done a great job or because you're hungry and there's a sandwich next to you? Column <laughs> a little column A, <laughs> column B. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, first of all, uh, Tommy uh, and Junai, thank you both so much for the opportunity to pepper you with questions, not for myself, but from the audience. So apologies in advance. But the way it works for the folks out there is simple, okay? We know that you all are looking for an in, a foot in the door, a connection into product management. That's great. But for today, for those who come up on stage, let's keep the questions focused purely and primarily on the highs and lows of product management. If you have a story you'd like to share, keep it under 30 seconds, but make it a question. We know a lot of you have experienced great joys and pains in the industry, but more than anything else, we have two industry experts on the stage ready to rock and roll. And uh, here's how it works. Raise your hand. LinkedIn gives you the ability to virtually raise your hand. We'll call you up on stage. If you're shy, go ahead and direct message me right here on LinkedIn, and I'll ask the question in an anonymous way. So with that in mind, while we wait for people to come up on stage with questions, we have one on stage dressed to impress. You can't see him out there in podcast land, but I can. And I got to tell you, Vishal, you look great. What's the question? (laughs) How can we help? Hi, thank you. 
And this is a very interesting topic. We don't hear this too often on the forums like this. So thank you for organizing this. And my question is to the products manager here. So since AI is, has been an action and we are using it in a lot of the things. So how are you using this tool for the articulation part? Because I understand being a product manager and writing the document, which has all the relevant things, it's an important task. But how are you using the AI to help you in your job? Is my question. Whoever jumps on it first, <laughs> take it away. Yeah, I mean, I haven't used to, well, I, I have a funny story. I tried to use Bard to, to summarize customer reviews to get the key uh, pain points for a certain product and then found out that Bard was incorrectly summarizing themes and creating false quotes. So I called Bard out on it and it apologized. And um, so I, I don't use uh, it for, <laughs> I don't use AI just yet for summarizing customer reviews. But yeah, I think ChatGPT has been a cool way to be like a, I guess, a starter for writing. But Ultimately, I think the content oftentimes ends up being very specific to to like our team or the problem that we're solving that it, it can't really carry too far in my in like my doc writing process, but definitely open to figuring out ways in which I can leverage it a little bit more in, in doc creation. I don't know. How about you, Tommy? Yeah, and since... We've started testing these things. I think I use Bard for frameworks. So I'm like, make me an outline of this document and it will make me a nice outline. Make me an outline of beta testing plan is something else that I'll do. I don't typically have it right for me because it, I don't like its voice. I'm trying to figure out how to remedy that. But the one thing I've done that was really successful was I had it write an executive summary of a long doc and then I edited it heavily, but it got me started. I think that was a big, big help for me. So Vishal, what do you think? That's a good input. I hope into the technology advancing. It's basically for our life to get ease. And I understand the, the ups and the lows that comes with the product manager role. And yeah, look forward for more tools who can make our life easy. Yeah, I would love yeah. AI to eventually tell me what I should be doing and when. <laughs> so if anyone wants to build that, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll also wow. say I wanted to do, I'm like verbal is better than writing for me. So I'd like to dictate a document or something and then have it structure it for me. But that's something I haven't had time to try yet. Well, I think this is a great conversation starter to kickstart today's conversations, obviously. But more important than that, uh, it's, I love the mood right now. We're still so happy and positive. That's great. Let's keep it going. <laughs> I, I got a direct message uh, from Alex W. A question for Janai. By the way, you said you like AI, and I just realized it's Gen AI. Your name is literally <laughs> the thing you like. Yeah, okay. that's, my, that's my next company. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt it'll be seated, invested, and successful if it's called Gen AI. In, uh, in building a product that a Google has tried to launch in the past, how do you ignore the noise and truly enjoy the wins? So if you're competing against the past Google product, how do you... How do you get past that noise and just keep it positive? Celebrate those wins. Uh, let's yeah. start with you, Tommy. We'll start with Tommy. We go back and forth, you know, flip the AI one way and then another, you know. So <laughs> if a product is, let me get this right. If a product has failed in the past, but I'm starting to build it anyway, how do I ignore the noise? Yeah, especially if someone, the someone who failed might rhyme with Google. Sure, sure. Yeah, this is, this is uh, on the nose for sure. You know, I think you have to really believe that there's a problem worth solving. And so maybe it didn't get solved in the right way. 
And that there's also, it's a nonlinear space. So the way technology develops and the speed of connectivity, the way that people interact with the world, the changing market conditions around like not wanting to constantly be tethered to your smartphone or something, you can see opportunities in space to, to make something work that maybe in the past didn't work. And I think I'll bring it like full circle. Maybe it's like, there were search engines prior to the one that the company that I work at now, but you figure out a way to do it in a way that meets the market need. And then you see success and some of that's timing, some of it's luck and some of it is good product management as well. Yeah. And I think that question, I what I assume the question was, was um, about Google Glass versus like what Amazon is doing or for what almost every big tech company is doing for that matter. Apple, Meta, Amazon, uh, it's not just us that are continuing to to be in the smart eyewear space. Google Glass was very much the first iteration that came to market, maybe ahead of its time. But we actually, I think, to the question of how to kind of ignore the the feedback and move move forward, we actually don't. The smart glasses that we're working on today in Echo Frames is very much a result of Google Glass and the learnings from that um, and understanding, hey, customers really are not yet ready for cameras at that time um, on their face. And also they really care about how glasses look. And at the end of the day, they don't want to be wearing technology. They want to wear something that looks good, feels good, and looks like a pair of glasses. And something that we're super proud of is in our most recent launch, what we've focused on, and uh, we're we just announced uh, last month our, our next-gen product. What we're super proud of is that we've improved the the style, the design of our glasses, and it really just looks like a very stylish pair of, uh, pair of sunglasses or, or reading glasses. And I think that's what's really important to address first. And that was the key customer problem to solve before adding a ton of technology to it. So I think that we, our team definitely celebrated um, our announcement. We were really excited about it and got a ton of positive PR on it as well. And so it was really validating to hear that what we set out to do is coming to life and being positively received. Hope that answers forever. <laughs> yeah, forever the optimists. I love it. You know, there's two things that product managers on the show always do. They're generally optimists and they always seem to agree. Jeff and I consistently try to create a bloodbath or uh, me <laughs> normally. But uh, we'll, we'll get there one day. Um, but I think, uh, you know, before we pursue any further, another call out for people who have questions. Not an easy topic to talk about. When you have lows, how do you deal with that? When you have highs how, or want highs, how do you generate that? Please feel free to DM me, put it in the comments, or raise your hand to come on stage. While we wait, and Alex, by the way, said thank you to both of you for a great answer to their questions. So rock on there. Jeff, before I jump to you, I always like to make really bad product manager jokes. This is coming from my Google. What's the hardest part of being a product manager? And then Jeff, you would say, what, Red? What, Red? <clears throat> Explaining what you do to your parents and friends. Da, 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 da. <laughs> okay. Tough, tough, tough crowd. Is this thing on? <laughs> what is it exactly you do around here? I take the paper. <laughs> what, uh, anyway. <laughs> So thank you, Red. Appreciate it. Appreciate the enthusiasm here. And we have another person. So Red, you're not uh, out of the woods yet. Samantha is joining us on stage with a question or a comment. It's up to her. But Red, do you want to interject with your charm or should we just let Samantha come on mute? 
everyone who jumps on stage gets at least a little crumb of recognition. We have an actual product manager folks live on stage that's responsible for AI. So Gen AI, I think we're going to start with you because that's what it says on LinkedIn. They're responsible AI, but it doesn't really say responsible for what. So Samantha, with that in mind, you're famous now. How can we help? Unmute yourself and the stage is yours. I am uh, not famous, <laughs> but it's cool to be on stage with you guys. Okay, thought that I had was about like broaden, broadening your knowledge base and upskilling an area of interest that you guys have in product management, especially when you're uh, maybe a senior product manager or a group product manager. How do you mm-hmm. decide where do you want to go? Like, you know, when you have an interest, if it is AI, like how do you identify what extent the knowledge base is needed for you to do your thing in your product build? Samantha, I'm going to layer this on because of today's topic being about highs and lows. I challenge both Tommy and Janai, do it from the perspective of what you know about the highs and lows of those roles. Speak to that element of how you can maybe get some early experience or understanding. Again, there's a lot of ways to define finding a role. Let's see if we can do that from the perspective of highs and lows. That is your challenge. Should you, well, you don't have a choice. <laughs> All right, uh, Janai, you're up. Let me know what you got. So <laughs> just trying to understand the question, wanting to, speaking from the perspective of highs and lows, wanting to understand how I, as a product manager, educate myself or like expand my my knowledge base. Is that question? Samantha, yeah. clarifying yeah. question back to you. Yeah. yeah, it's a great question because um, as I entered, I transitioned into product management, uh, I feel like every day I'm constantly learning something or realizing what I don't really know. I think for me, yeah, there have been really challenging times as a product manager where almost feeling a level of imposter syndrome where I'm in these rooms with engineers and people who are just pure experts in whatever field, whether it be UX design or research or every conceivable type of engineer engineering background that we work with on our, on our product. And it can be really intimidating. And I think it's really helpful to remind myself that nobody knows everything and people actually really appreciate like when you ask questions and when you are open and willing to be vulnerable and say you don't know something. So I think what has really helped me is just having a learning mindset and being willing to have conversations with my engineering counterparts to ask them to just like walk me through a design or walk me through a concept or ask me or for them to explain like what an acronym is. Because I think a lot of the knowledge that we have is very specific to our product or our processes or our or like Amazon and whatnot. And I and I'm always like catching up and, and learning. So just being, having the, I think, the confidence to ask what something means and having the best person on your team explain it to you as though that has, I think, carried me very far in my first year uh, as a product manager. So hopefully that answers your question. Thank you so much, Samantha. Thank you, Janai. Tommy, did you have anything you wanted to add before we get to my last question for you both? Yeah, I think I'll say like on, you know, if it's something like AI, I'll I'll find a resource like fast.ai and I'll kind of like dig in in that way. And then if it's like in terms of like the highs of that, it can be very exciting. You're learning about a new thing. It can be energizing in those ways. And then I think like what Janai is saying, right? Like there's a lot of vulnerability and sort of like 
you're new to something and you can feel like a little bit of imposter syndrome or a lot depending on on um, the situation but kind of pushing through that and working through that like new space so that you can keep your like goal growing which is like I want to be a product manager in AI so I think you just have to jump in with both feet sometimes that's the right thing to do all right. Thank you, Samantha, for that question. Thank you, Tommy and Janai, for the answers. And Red, thank you for your service to the product management community, moderating this stage, giving me a giggle <laughs> every week, and uh, making sure people feel have a chance to be heard as well. So speaking of making sure people have a chance to be heard, Janai, sorry to put you on the spot, but as I was searching for my next question, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, and your top banner says, be an ally. And so... As we relate to the highs and lows of being a product manager, have you found, if you don't mind answering this question, you're, you're welcome to decline, but have you found that being a product manager gives you an opportunity to be an ally? And if so, what do you mean by that? And how are you able to do that? And what energy do you get from doing so? Yeah, something that I own at, on my team for my product is the accessibility of our product. And I think that has been one of the best ways in which I've been able to be an ally to our customers with disabilities, getting to, you know, build out a roadmap for features that directly help um, people who might be blind or have low vision or might be hard of hearing or deaf or limited mobility. That has been such a rewarding experience in getting to work on things even as simple as making a, a Braille user card or getting to improve upon that or getting to dive into or spearhead some research uh, associated with accessibility of our product. All of those things are really important and has shown to me, you know, a product needs to keep in mind all of its different types of customers, including those that might be marginalized. So I'm super thankful for the position that uh, I'm in where I can help advocate on behalf of people with disabilities just in this small way for my product. I have a personal note on that, which is this is fun, but my uncle is a quadriplegic and the first time I saw him use Amazon Alexa to turn on and off all the lights in his house was like, a profound and amazing moment. Wow. Um, yeah. It enabled him to do something that would have taken him like a really long time. So yeah. it, was, it was cool to see. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that anecdote. Cause it, when we make it personal and, and have real people behind it, it becomes a lot more powerful and easier for others to prioritize changing lives of, of people who've all too often been ignored. So thank you both for that. We're almost at the end, but I do want to give Red always likes this controversial opinions. Do either of you have what you think may or may not be a controversial opinion regarding the highs and lows of being a product manager that you would want to float to see if it creates debate or whether it's not so controversial that you have some agreement? <laughs> regarding the highs and lows. One of the lows I shared earlier is the just like process lock. I'm of the opinion that you don't need that many processes. You probably, if if the process and the and what it's for is not self-evident, you probably don't need it. Yeah, I think for me, maybe going back to like my my gripe about meetings, it, my hot take is like if you leave a question alone that someone asks you for like an extended period of time, oftentimes they can figure out the answer themselves. So. <laughs> I like to, you know, keep that in mind when I need to to prioritize. So maybe not a super controversial take, but just a reminder that 
I don't have to put out every single seemingly urgent, important fire pops into my Slack. <laughs> controversial, not controversial. Tommy, where do you land on that? I mean, how could I? No, that's a that's constant, right? Uh, I can't disagree with that. Like, I think that's that becomes part of it. I do think like, I had a leader I spoke with once that said that she just leaves something alone until people go away, and I think that can be controversial depending on uh, depending on what the person needs from you. But I appreciate that, and and there's always more to do. You'll never be doing enough, so you got to figure out little ways to to reduce your workload. I'll just share a quick anecdote in line with that, where. Somebody asked me a question. They're like, are you doing this? And I said, no, I'm not. And then they looked online and they're like, it says you are. And I'm like, well, then you already could find the information. Or I said, I am. And anyway, they found the information online in response to what I had said. That's not a great story. But either way, yes, people can figure things out sometimes. They just need a little (laughs) nudge. Yeah, I think of sneaky ways to ask people why as well. So I don't think you always want to come back with why do you need this or why are you asking me, but but I think of ways to ask why in different ways to get like what's the real problem you're trying to solve or and once you get that information sometimes they solve it themselves. Interesting. Yeah. So love this conversation. We are out of time, but I do want to give you both space for concluding thoughts. So that could either be a new thought that you just wanted to leave the audience with. Or you could be summarizing into nice, tight bullet points what you hope that somebody took away from this conversation. But each of you have a minute to share what you want to conclude with. Yeah, I think I think just going back to maybe the beginning of our discussion, as like you are continuing in your product management journey, might find yourself like in the trenches deep in a really long project that maybe it's super delayed and super over budget and under resourced, just remind yourself of the end goal and how that product or feature or whatnot might be improving somebody's life. And that can help, I think, give you the motivation to keep moving forward because you'll definitely run into those those times as a PM. Um, and that's something I, I constantly want to remind for myself, you know, what we're truly building and why. And hopefully that that keeps you going. So that's my big takeaway. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think when I'm thinking about the goal and then like I'm in the trenches of, of the difficult part of building something or working on a project, it really helps me to have like a bunch of different ways to energize myself that don't have to do with my work. So like not deriving everything from from my work successes and the thing that I do during the day, but coming up with ways that I can be energized elsewhere like a mindfulness practice or, or writing or something else that really helps you to, to sort of reset so that when you come back that you can be your best, best self for that particular job. All right. Thank you, Janai. Thank you, Tommy. My big takeaway from this is uh, I just uh, love that power of empathy, empathizing with the customer, celebrating when you've delivered something that is making their lives better, not getting down on that the negative feedback and, and realizing that that's an opportunity to, again, empathize and find ways to improve uh, real lives and real people. And so we hope to, at the Product Management Center, hope to improve the lives of real people, product managers and aspiring product managers. So if you want a a community, if you want a place to learn, a place to grow, and a place to be yourself and bring your unique talents to the larger group, again, uh, the Product Management Center is here for you. Brand new program, the Elevate program for product managers who want to elevate their careers and their peers. 
Stay tuned. That should be uh, shipping next week or so. Thank you, Tommy and Janai. Being candid like this really is valuable for others who are looking to get into product management or maybe feel isolated and looking for ways to build their energy. So thank you so much. Really appreciate both of you today. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care, everybody. That's the end of today's show. And we'll see you next week as we talk about product management in an engineering-focused organization. Take care, everyone. Thank you again.